welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. And this week we're here to talk about John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, because the more they keep making these John Wick movies, the more words they have to add to them. <laughs> you ever uh, played those uh, Jedi Knight games? Yeah. Um, so it started off being Dark, Dark Forces, Forces. And then became Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. Then mm -hmm. became Dark Forces 3 Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. Yes. And then it became Jedi Outcast 2 jedi academy it's just yeah what the heck man <laughs> yeah or the well like the the rambo movies yeah <laughs> just nothing or, or the fast and furious fast and furious is the ultimate example yeah i think so <laughs> so this is the third movie in the john wick uh franchise john wick started in 2014 uh as a very low budget action movie starring keanu reeves uh it's a pretty straightforward premise about uh, a guy whose wife is um she dies of cancer and as sort of a final gift to her husband leaves him a dog her husband is a former hitman and um he gets involved with uh the son of the organization he used to work for as a hitman and they break into his house, steal his car, and kill the new puppy. So he kills everyone. <laughs> it's a movie that had really good word of mouth. Um, it didn't make a lot in its initial run, but it made decent money and then found a life on home video. I honestly think Reddit had a lot to do with, um, or just those, those kind of internet forums had a lot to do with the popularity of John Wick on home video. Because the club scene, which is the central kind of action sequence of that, got uploaded to YouTube and I saw it on Reddit and was like, crap, I need to check this movie out. <laughs> and I did and I really liked it. But I think a lot of people have a similar story where they saw it on some weird corner of the internet that they hang out on because it went a little viral and decided to check the movie out. And they did. And it was great. Yep. Um, so do, is that, did you that, have the same? That's, that's exactly the same thing. <laughs> I don't know if it was from you or if it was from Matthew, my brother, or I did it to you, but that club scene, <laughs> that, that is the gateway drug into the John Wick universe. Yeah. And that scene, obviously out of context, you don't really know why he's doing this, but yeah. you're like, this is so cool. Like, right. I, I gotta know more about this guy. And mm -hmm. like, when did Keanu Reeves become this like ultimate badass, you know? And yeah, I mean, he's made action movies in the past. He's mm -hmm. made big action movies like Speed and The Matrix, obviously. So right. it's not unprecedented, but this was like another level for him. Yeah, for sure. Especially after kind of a decade of irrelevance for him. Yeah. Uh, so what happened? <laughs> like, Keanu's had this odd career where he was pretty popular when he first came out. Like Bill and Ted kind of put him on the map, right? Yeah. And he had a string of decent movies of like decently received movies like he had, he did bram stoker's dracula and uh is it kenneth brano's much ado about nothing and um speed mm -hmm. and then obviously capped it off with the matrix well then the matrix had two sequels that were not well received yeah and all of a sudden that was keanu's fault <laughs> yeah he and, seemed to kind of pay for it in a way yeah and everyone was like 
screw Keanu. Like, he's a bad actor. He's always been bad. Yeah. And we did this, like, weird 180 on him. And then John Wick came out and everyone did this other 180 on him. And they were like, Keanu's always been great. He's been, I mean, he did Point Break, which was super well received Mm -hmm. uh, and is a really good movie. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, what happened with that? Was it strictly The Matrix? The sequels? Uh, Yeah. Well, he also started in, like, movies like house on the glass lake, lake house lake, lake yeah lake house. whatever the lake house i yeah. saw that movie in theaters <laughs> I, was, I was mixing up that and like not throwing stones at glass houses or something <laughs> i don't know um yeah it uh i think things like that um hurt him he's kind of in these movies that i don't think su- suited his qualities as well mm-hmm. um but i would say that the downturn definitely happened with the last matrix movie i kind of feel like people turned against him yeah um by proxy yeah which is movie. weird because he's like the least of that movie's problems yeah <laughs> yeah so um i think that's part of it um you know he does have a particular way of acting that i think can either either leave you hot or cold and you need a particular film project to associate with him for him to be good in it not but i stand by the fact that he is a good actor i do too um but you know i also respect the fact that he kind of tries different things that he wasn't just trying to do action movies during that mid-2000s period yeah um but there's definitely a slump there that can be attributed to some of the weirder um outside of the action movie framework box that he chose yeah and it's it's interesting because so i was on a get i was a guest on twice actually on sam van Heeren's podcast kian you believe it um <laughs> and i got to see a movie from pre bill and ted uh called permanent record and a movie from the john wick era uh called exposed yeah i think you were telling me about this couple podcasts yeah um and it was really interesting to kind of see the two eras like the beginning and the not the end of his career um but like this new keanu songs that we're having um and the I, i legitimately think the criticism against him of him not being a good or emotive actor is a little BS Mm -hmm. um, because permanent record deals with him dealing with the suicide of his best friend yeah, and him going through the grieving process. And he's awesome in that movie. And there's another movie from that era called river's edge, which is bonkers. It's a crazy movie. I want to say directed by Dennis Hopper. He's in it. And he says some of the craziest things I've ever heard anyone say in a movie. Mm-hmm. And Crispin Glover's in it, and he's horrendous in it. Yeah. Crispin Glover gives one of the worst performances I've ever seen anyone give in the movie River's Edge. And, but Keanu's excellent in it. He is this kind of like punk kid who discovers a dead body, I think. And it turns out to be someone they went to school with, uh, which is... Th- Similar thematically to, to Permanent Record, but he's he's more of a delinquent in River's Edge. But he gets this monologue where he, like, all the, like, shock of discovering this kid um, kind of comes crashing down on him. And that's so good. He's so good in that one scene. And he's really good in the movie. The movie's terrible. Crispin Glover's awful. Dennis Hopper's <laughs> awful in it. But he's really good in it. And then in Exposed, that's a terrible movie, but it's not necessarily his fault. He's barely in it. And uh, once again, he's the least of that movie's problems. I think there's just something about that guy that we just decided, like, no, you're the issue. 
Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. Regardless, I'm happy that people have rediscovered him. Uh, yes. Um, I think that there was also kind of this point where people grew out of him in a way. Um, like he kind of was, a lot of people grow out of like stars, mm. you know, um, just in general. It, even Will Smith, who I thought was going to be maybe the longest lasting yeah. one, I have people have walked away from. Denzel seems to be the only guy who kind of seems Cruise. to have. Cruz, yeah, Denzel and Cruz are the only ones who seem to have any sort of like longevity. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, for most people in the 80s crowd and the 90s crowd, they grew out of, you know, their Schwarzeneggers and their Stallones. And then, you know, even Keanu kind of received that too. Um, yeah. Which is weird because Keanu was like never one of those guys. True. He was more of a martial artist and obviously he wasn't you know jacked yeah um, not that he was in bad shape ever but he just you know he wasn't this mountain of a person mm-hmm. um the way those guys were yeah um you know he was almost like a sensitive action hero like there's like a hardcore bromance at the center of point break you know and that's the note the movie chooses to end on yeah but i will say dudes managed to keep acting consistently yeah through uh, through everything like through that thousands dude, of years man yeah okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that dude is like keeps finding roles like he just pops up in in spots you know and it seems like when the general public kind of is over him he just goes and does some indie movies and then he's back and uh yeah he just he, he just keeps finding his way through the 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 ebb and flow of that career which mm-hmm. is nice and I think the reason for that is because he's one of the best dudes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like there are so many Keanu stories and they're all about him just being a genuinely good guy. Like, yeah. You know, and, and it's not just, you know, oh, I ran into Keanu once and he was really nice to me. But like there are that was our dryer. Um, there are tons of stories of people who are like, yeah, that guy was the best. Like. Um, I, I just sent you one yesterday where mm-hmm. he went and bought an ice cream cone so that he could get receipt paper so he could give his autograph to this someone working the ticket booth and then threw the ice cream cone mm-hmm. away like a monster. <laughs> um, or just like he donated most of his salary to the FX team for The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, because they're the ones who put in the heavy lifting in that. Right. And he felt that like... The industry has always very unfairly compensated their special effects workers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keanu was like, well, we wouldn't have been able to make this movie without these guys. Like, yeah. This movie doesn't exist without this VFX team. So, mm-hmm. Or, he, you know, his legendary trip to Bakersfield. Our oh, hometown, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he recently got stuck here in here in our town. Yeah. Um, and was super chill. Yeah. Just hanging out in our Bakersfield airport. Yeah. I and mean, it's not like really a story of charity or anything that. It's just like him being a, a cool average dude and yeah. not putting up like a fit or I think yeah. like a diva or anything like yeah. that. He just like dealt with it. Yeah. The way everyone else was. Yeah. And, and like humor to kind of get by and yeah. everything like that. And like went to Carl's Jr. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, right. And he, he, he tries... It seems like he's very mindful of, obviously I've never met him, I don't know the guy, but it it, it seems like he's very mindful of making sure he does get to live this normal life still, like be as normal as humanly possible. And 
as a result, I think, be very grateful for the opportunities he's had as an actor. Yeah. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you really see that more than any movie I've ever seen with him in it in these John Wick movies. This guy was born to play this character, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is maybe the role that is most suited toward his talents. Mm-hmm. More than Neo. Yeah. Even. Yeah, weirdly enough, I think this has become much more iconic than Neo it will. ever was. It, it absolutely will. I think it already has. Really? Yeah, I think that The Matrix's cultural currency has diminished quite mm. a bit. I think the third movie did that a lot. Yeah. I think the intervening like decade has also cemented that. Um, and I think the parodies of The Matrix really hurt it mm-hmm. over time. Um, John Wick, though, I don't see the... That cultural staying power disappearing. I think it's only growing, as we will talk about probably about the box office yeah. later. Um, but I think its influence on action cinema has um, changed a lot. And all that is, I think, because of a lot of factors. I mean, obviously the movies are good. But John Wick is such a relatable like, character. I know he's a hitman, so he's not really that sure. professionally. Yeah. And he's not the world he inhabits is very yeah, over not, the top. But, but he conveys a weird kind of vulnerability uh-huh. um, and stoicism that only Keanu can provide. Yep. And that is the real driver of these movies. Cause I can't see anybody else doing this nearly as well as him. Yeah, no, this role fits him to a T like the, you know, it's, it's clear he's loves being able to do what he does. And it's clear that he loves doing like the martial arts stunt action stuff. He even directed a martial arts movie. Um, you know, he learned all the martial arts for The Matrix. And that's still the stuff I think that holds up the most is watching his fight scenes mm-hmm. in those movies. Like he put in the work. Yeah. Um. So John Wick was Chad Stileski who runs that stunt. Or he was he was one of the founding members of that. What's that stunt studio? Uh. Well, I don't know the name of them. Yeah, it it's like it's numbers. It. <laughs> it's numbers. I know that. 8711. Okay. They were stunt coordinators on The Matrix. Right. Chad Stileski and that. David Lech, um, who went uncredited as a director on the first John Wick and then did not direct two or three uh, with, with Stileski. But they, they started 80, uh, 8711, which is the stunt studio that did The Matrix and all the John Wick movies now. And, um, oh, what's that David Lech movie? Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, so they 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 put a specific brand on their style of stunt. It's you can tell when someone came out of 8711. Um and you know, David Letch went on and did Deadpool 2, which had more of the the CQC close quarters combat stuff um that, that Letch did with the Matrix and Atomic Blonde. Um But this was all kind of born out of that. So they had started the studio and then decided they wanted to make movies. They had worked with Keanu. They obviously really liked working with Keanu, reached out to him to play this character. And the rest is kind of history. They kind of slapped it together. It came out in like September or October or something. Like not a time where you put out a movie that you expect people to see. Kind of a dumping ground. And uh, it did okay. Did fine. Didn't bomb. Didn't do set the box office on fire. Got decent reviews. And then, like I said, just blew up on home video because of that club scene. And uh, that's a movie. That first one is a movie that I have seen 
close to 10 times. Yeah, it's probably close to six or seven for me. Yeah, because what happens with that movie is I keep finding out people haven't seen it. Yep. And then I just go, well, let's go. And I put it on because that movie's super watchable, man. Mm Mm-hmm. It's super watchable. Or you see it on TV and you watch one bit of it and then you're watching the rest of it. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that, that first movie just like, it's not perfect. No. By any stretch of the imagination. No. It, but there's a scrappiness to it mm-hmm. and this real like, it just feels so much for the people who made that movie. Yeah. That you got to respect it, you know? And we, I, I watched both the first two this week and... You just get this sense of, like, they knew what they were doing, obviously, but, like, they didn't really care if anyone got on board with it because they make some choices in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just, like, putting that terrible Marilyn Manson song twice. Yeah. Um, That that is one of the parts of it that is not perfect. Nope. Um, But they, they created, instead of just doing this straightforward revenge tale, they created this whole world of, like, assassins. And it's not just this, like, seedy underbelly operating underneath the normal society but they have like a hierarchy Mm. and rules and their own form of currency and their own nightclubs and their own hotel chains and there's it's it's literally like a splinter society almost and it elevates it into this weird i I think that's where the first like couple rewatches come from because you kind of expect this just like, okay, they killed my dog, so now I'm going to kill everyone mm-hmm. story. And then you get involved in the world of the Continental and you're like, what the hell? What is, what's going on here? Like, what is, what do you mean? Like, you can't do business on Continental grounds and everything costs one large gold coin. And like the cops kind of know and don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> wh- which is, I think, one of the best jokes in the first one. For sure. Um, there's this, there's this sub like layer to this movie that really i don't know it 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 just is real intriguing i think yeah if you're willing to buy into it but it sells it so well that you almost can't not you in order to enjoy the movie you have to buy into the oh yeah bs oh yeah definitely and it's kind of done Mm tongue-in-cheek especially in the second one yeah that's where i think it kind of takes to the next level being tongue-in-cheek about it but um, the first one is a little off-putting at first, a yeah. little bit. But it makes it's like just kind of irritating enough off-putting that you like it scratches something that you kind of want more of. Well, I think that's because you you flesh out the supporting cast with like really good character actors yeah. like Lance Reddick and Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, it's just like they the way they deliver dialogue is so great that it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they tease just enough like lore and mm-hmm. kind of like back history with all these people that you you want to know more you want to know how they're connected yeah you want to know like what is the history here like you know they set up john wick is they they call him the baba yaga or the the boogeyman or the one they send to kill the boogeyman and they build him up like there's such myth making around this character of john wick and you're like okay well now i know this guy's like the ultimate badass according to everyone in this universe Mm -hmm. and then we see that club scene and we're like whoa yeah but I think that movie also does this really good thing where it he's not 
indestructible he's just got super endurance like Mm -hmm. you know he gets cut and broken and looks tired and gets hunched over and like gets thrown off of uh second story or second floors into the dance floor yeah you know (laughs) yeah and you know but he takes damage you know like you see him get more grizzled over the course of the movie and so you're like, this guy is the ultimate badass, but he's still like a person. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, the character is super grounded, um, particularly in that movie. And you're kind of like, whoa, like, where did this guy come from? What what was his deal that turned him this way? Like, how did he get these skills? How did he get out? Because everyone's like, whoa, you should have stayed out. You know, like, it's, it's going to be this really big deal that he's back. And uh, that movie kind of ends and you're like, that was fascinating and then the second one just takes builds off the first one like a couple days later Mm -hmm. and uh he goes and gets his car back which he lost in the first one and in that opening scene you get peter stormare as the brother of the villain from the first one just like it's so good (laughs) it's so good and he's just monologuing once again about like what a badass john wick is and it's set to this like weird mix of like samurai and western music Mm. and like keanu's filmed in these shadows like he's like ninja taking people out and they finally get to the part where he's baba yaga and he fully steps into the light and it's just like it's perfect hero making yep it's perfect hero making. Mm-hmm. Um, golly, that seems so good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, they they amp him up even more. But the movie escalates its action sequences to that new level that they've set him at, where it's yeah. like, okay, we we we're, we did a good job on the first one, but now we're like we're gonna we have more money, not a lot more money, but we do have double the budget, so we can make twice the movie basically. Yeah. And every penny is on screen. And it looks so slick and cool. And confident. Yeah. It just feels confident about yep. itself. Yep. Just that, the way the camera is moving around stuff, mm-hmm. the way that the spaces are so much bigger mm-hmm. and it plays around with that space. Yep. Um, the locations feel more grand in general. Yeah, there's that huge concert with the shootout in it. Yeah. Like, which is even bigger than the club. You know, and he's like killing dudes on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and people are cheering. <laughs> um, but the other thing they did is they really took that lore and like fleshed it out. Yeah. Into this like weird quasi comic book thing. Like mm-hmm. you learn that there's this table of assassins that kind of are the governing board of the assassins called the High Table. And this guy's sister. So this guy. Helped John Wick get out, but because John, he helped John Wick get out, he gave him this thing called a marker, mm-hmm. um, which basically means at any time he can come to John with the marker and be like, hey, you owe me. And then John has to go and and do that, like, with no questions asked. Basically yeah. do whatever this guy asks him to do. He says, hey, my sister just got appointed to the high table after her dad died. I want you to go kill my sister so that I can take her seat at the high table yeah um so he goes and does that basically yeah and that sets off the series of events where the guy double crosses john wick and basically is like well i mean now i have to have you killed because it's gonna look weird if i don't avenge my sister's death so he sends all this army of assassins after john wick john wick shoots them all in the head (laughs) and then uh 
he tracks this guy back to the hotel and the one rule in the hotel is don't do anything basically right. like the hotel is a safe zone a literal safe space mm-hmm. where you know you can eat you can drink you can you know hang out with your fellow assassins whether or not they just tried to kill you or not like you are going to this is a neutral ground nothing is to happen here under penalty of death yeah um so john wick completely ignores that yeah and shoots this dude right in the face and ian mcshane is like you gotta like come on man like there's rules and you broke them you're now excommunicado from the assassination uh and he says you got one hour i'll give you a one hour head start and sends john on his way Turns out everyone in New York is an assassin now. (laughs) And um, the movie ends with him just running and the clock ticking. And Mm. it's this like cliffhanger Empire Strikes Back. I love that ending. It's so good. Such a good way to end it. It's so good. Yeah. um, It just, it got you hyped for the next one. Yeah. It was perfect. But it felt like a good resolution to that movie too like Mm -hmm. there were consequences to what he did yeah and the first movie set up the consequences Mm -hmm. because you saw um miss perkins or whatever she tried she killed tried to kill john on the hotel grounds and she actually did kill somebody else yes um in the process and then she pays for it with her life and they set up that one rule and you know it has to be broken at some point and so then john breaks it and then you get the sense that just everybody is against him especially in that scene where he's being told that he's like got one hour and everybody in central he like whistles central park yeah Yeah. uh winston who is ian mcshane he whistles and everyone just stops yeah you're just like what (laughs) (laughs) one of the best things about the movie is uh the series and i saw this in a review so i can't take credit for it is that they called the underworld like it's so prevalent in New York and in, in this world that's kind of the overworld. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, like it's so it's surreal. Yeah, it's not like really taking place in our reality. No, you know? not at all. It, but it, it's weird how they made that work, mm-hmm. and you got the sense that oh man, John Wick is screwed. But then you're also like, he's John Wick. He's not screwed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like I feel bad for these people. <laughs> yeah, and so it immediately makes you want to watch like. You, well, I have the T-shirt that's like it says John Wick versus the world in the like Scott Pilgrim font. Yeah, but like that's what the third movie was like, kind of set up to be. So, third movie picks up literally right at the end of the first, the or the second movie. Like it's so these movies take place over like two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. We see John running. He's still got his hour. He's going to the New York Public Library. Uh, and he has a fight scene in a library. And he, he, he has stashed some stuff, some, some coins and a marker and a rosary mm. in a book in the New York Public Library. Gets that uh, and goes to Angelica Houston, who runs a... Uh, I'm skipping over the action scenes because so along the way he's killing everyone (laughs) Um, that's going to be a separate topic yeah so this is just the main plot of the movie he goes to Angelica Houston's character who's in charge of is it the Russo Romani yeah which is like this weird like other secret society yeah that he came up through and we kind of learned that he might be like a Russian immigrant kid that was like he grew up training as a wrestler probably in the society and then it kind of feeds into the this underworld of assassins underneath the high table they like they're this weird like they 
they're kind of associated with the high table and mm-hmm. they're kind of under them, but they're kind of not. But it's just this other weird arm to this stupid assassin government. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we learn that's where he gets his uh, fortune favors, the bold tattoo, because we see the ballerinas all have that on their back. Um, but he goes and trades in the rosary for passage, safe passage to Cas- Casablanca um, to meet Holly Berry's character so that he can go and meet the one who's above the high table yeah. like this. So there's there's now the high table and then there's like an elder who's yeah. above them and they send him on this weird vision quest for that. He goes and meets the the elder and we find out that like he he wants to survive this so that someone can be around to remember his wife. Mm. Um and they basically say, "Okay, well, if you really want to keep your life, you have to go kill Winston, who's right. Ian McShane. And he's just like, what the hell? Like, right. this is not, I mean, okay, I'll do it. And he chops off his ring finger and gives the elder the his wedding ring, um, which is, you know, a big deal for him. And then goes back and basically decides not to follow the elder's advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Uh, while all this is happening, the high table has sent this just like this auditor basically yeah. <laughs> to like go go and find find out why John Wick was allowed to survive for an hour and yeah. like just like punish the people who helped him. So she goes and punish she goes and enlists the help of the Iron Chef. That's uh, <laughs> not an exaggeration. He's literally the Iron Chef, the chairman uh, from the Iron Chef. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, he he's like running a sushi restaurant or whatever, yeah. but he has like this band of assassins, which is actually two of the guys are in the raid. Yes, um, and they go and like punish like the Angelica Houston and Lawrence Fishburne, the Bowery King, and uh, Winston, and so John Wick comes back to the states after getting this order from the Elder, and basically, deci- him and Winston decide like we're going we're going toe to toe with the High Table now. So the High Table sends their forces in. He kills all of them and then uh, has, you know, he has this big action scene with them and then also with the adjudicators, guys, the Iron Chef people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Winston, like, double crosses him, but we get the sense that maybe probably not, uh, uh, that it was pre-planned in order to regain control of the Continental Mm -hmm. and... Then the Bowery King picks him up in his punished state and they basically decide they're going to go after the high table, like the actual people on the high table. And that's the setup for the fourth movie. And in the middle of that, we get introduced to Holly Berry's character, who I think is the setup for the TV show, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, or a spinoff Something movies, like but I, I feel like it's going to be the TV show. Yeah. Um. So uh, dotted along that are just some of the craziest action scenes. Um. But before we get into the action scenes, because that's the best part, what do you think of the weird, like, is it, is it, are they too much at this point? The, the weird lore thing? Um, they got real close to going too much with mm-hmm. it. That's my take on it. I do think some of the stuff in Morocco, um, was them setting up spinoffs and TV shows and that sort of stuff. Yep. And that was, I think, the least essential part of the movie. It's the fattiest one. Yes. It's too long. The movie's too long. The movie is too long by about 15 to 20 minutes. Yep. And I think most of it could be trimmed from Morocco. Yep. That story thread, 
I think um, doesn't do the movie any favors because it kind of kills the tension of the movie for a little bit. Yep. Because uh, the the beginning first 30, 40 minutes of it, when he's in New York and the, count, and the countdown's going down, and then when the countdown's over and he's fighting people to escape, that's real tense. Yeah, like, it's really good. It's pulse pounding. Um, you know, like I said, we won't talk about the action scenes yet, but there's a lot of tension just around the fact that all of New York's going to be bearing down on him. Yeah. Then he gets away from it. Yeah. You know, and... But what? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of a narrative mistake to go and take him away from that. I agree. Um, also, it's just... You could have accomplished some of the things that happened in Morocco a lot more quickly. Like, yeah. I liked seeing Halle Berry and seeing maybe another continental or whatever. But was it really essential? Not so much. You know, meeting yeah. the elder, I think, was important. Meeting the elder was good. Yes. I like that. Right. Um, I think, like, learning how maybe the assassins were initially connected to, like, you know, the the origin of the word assassin and mm-hmm. like the hash sessions and all that kind of oh, stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. was interesting. Yeah. And I'm not sure it needed to happen in a different country. Cause I think that that kind of just dissipates all the yeah. tension that was coming from it taking place in New York. Mostly. Yeah. It mostly kind of regets that ten- regains that tension when it comes back to New York. So I like the stuff with the adjudicator. I like the stuff with the iron chef and chairman. Mm-hmm. I like, the um, ballerinas, the, wrestling, oh, the you know, the, yeah, the, the Belarusians, all that kind of yeah. stuff I liked a lot. Um, I just didn't like that little detour to Morocco. I agree. The It it bothered me more. I'm more okay with it having slept on it a few nights. Same. Um, but I was like, when we got introduced to the Russo Romani and how they work, and he's like, my real name is Giordani, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is, they're dumping a lot of lore on us right now. Like, yeah. this is a lot. And then they, you know, then they bring in the adjudicator and it's like another thing you have to get used to in this world. And trust me. So here's the thing about me and John Wick. These are my Star Wars. Yeah. The, like, <laughs> and this isn't like a, I have stopped being a Star Wars fan because I don't like the new ones or anything like I've always loved Star Wars, obviously, but I've never been like that like nerdy about it. I, I'm basically the movies. I've read a few of the books. I never really watched the TV series. Like I never jumped into the world. Mm-hmm. John Wick is a world I want to live in <laughs> so much. Like I just want to, I love being in this world so much and this stupid lore, like the bigger, dumber and more convoluted it gets, like the more fun I'm having with it. Yeah. It's just so dumb <laughs> and I love it. Like it's so dumb, but it's just like, it's so earnest in its dumbness. Yeah. Like, and, that, but it's, and it's also in on the joke too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I mean, you have hobo ninjas, man. Yeah, exactly. Like we made movies like joke movies about hobo ninjas. <laughs> Come on. Like this is exactly my type of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so so all this lore dumping stuff, I love it. But I also see, like, I saw this movie on a Friday night in a packed house. And I was like, does anyone give a crap about this? Really? I, I kind of felt um, the interest wane during yeah. that section. Because it was packed for me. And you, people were whooping and hollering in the beginning of the movie. And uh, you kind of lost that yeah. in that midsection a bit. Yeah, same. Like, I was just like, I, I like this because I like this dumb world. But, like this is not something general audiences are paying to see at all. Like we're not paying to see where the coins and markers come from. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and then it's just like the adjudicator brings in this interesting layer of bureaucracy to it, which, but, and it's super funny without being like on the nose about it. Um, 
and you just like just seeing like everyone have to be like not nah, an adjudicator yeah. like it's super <laughs> funny and weird and I, you know seeing all the like having slept on it i really actually did like all the lore dump that happened in this movie and i it's not that i didn't like the holly berry stuff um i think it's good i think she's awesome she's, in the movie it's like the best thing she's done in a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> she clearly put in the same work keanu did yeah like, you can tell she did her own stunts and mm-hmm. she, that she trained action. those dogs <laughs> <laughs> dude th- did she really yeah like they taught her how to like command them and stuff like really? that for months yeah that's awesome yeah so, so she's sweet it's know, not I, without merit right it just kills the pacing yeah kind of yeah and, and it just kind of just distracts from the focus yeah i think yeah and you can, like I said, you can kind of tell that's the spinoff setup for the Continental TV show. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I understand it as maybe a necessary evil for the movie. I don't know that it needed to go on as long as it did. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, I really liked where this movie ended up as the setup for four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the movie I kind of expected was this almost like return of the Jedi completion aspect to it. Uh, but it ends with like four is going to be, I think not the ultimate resolution of this, but I, I think they have to pay some stuff off in four I, or they're going to start losing people. Yeah. I, I, that's where see, that's where I'm at is I think four has to end it. I really do. Cause I, I kind of feel like four with their teasing for four is kind of what I thought they were teasing for three. Mm-hmm. I I guess what they were trying to tell you in, at the end of two is that, it was just going to be like a him on the run movie. Yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be a him on the run and then he turns the tables on the high table and yeah. kills them. That's what I thought too. And then they kind of broke that second half of that sentence off into four. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't feel like the cliffhanger in this one is nearly as effective as twos was. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't as well executed. Like I get that John Wick's mad at like the high table. Like, right. I kind of feel like we've established yeah. this already. Yeah. So, but also while watching the third movie, I, began to realize and i also kind of knew that there was going to be another one um but i began to realize that they can't possibly resolve all the stuff that they've set up at this point yeah so i'm okay with it now like like you've been saying i've slept on it and i'm more okay with it but i kind of wanted them to stick the landing and and partially because there's so few movies that like trilogies or any series that like actually know when to stop Mm -hmm. like before it's too late Mm -hmm. like while things are still good Mm -hmm. that i wanted this to be one of those series sure and now the possibility of there being a fourth one mm-hmm. scares me again. You know, like I'm so afraid of that sucking. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. I can guarantee you right now we're getting at least two more of these things. Yeah. However, what and the reason I say that is because this movie did gangbusters this weekend. Yeah. For an R-rated action movie starring Keanu Reeves in 2019. Right. In May during like the middle of blockbuster season. Yeah. It's the movie that took Avengers Endgame off the top of the box office. Finally. Which is like that is some clout. Yeah. Right. Like that is that's a card. You know, like that is a card to mm-hmm. play. Um, which is why I think we're getting at least two more now. What I do think is the fourth one has to go and kill off the high table. Yeah. Or do like the they've stretched it out too long i think people are going to be mad if they if they walking dead this yeah um and and i think that you know reeves is executive producing these things now stileski's writing them i think um i think that they have a good enough handle on that to understand that they need to do that so i i kind of trust them until i don't basically Mm -hmm. um 
And I thought it, it went some interesting places as far as I thought it was going to be Charon, Winston, and John Wick being like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I thought that was going to be the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And then now it's going to be the Bowery King and his, like, hobo ninjas yeah. um, going after the high table. And I, I don't not like that. And I, I, I 100% get it. Yeah. Because I completely understand the idea of we got Morpheus mm-hmm. and we got Neo. Right. Let's make them team up and go after them. So I'm fine with it until I'm not like they're going to have to. And, and because we got to see like Charon in on the action in this movie, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Was great. <laughs> um, I think the next logical step is also getting the Bowery King in on the action in the next one. Um, I do agree that I, they have to bring some sort of closure to this high table arc soon. Mm-hmm. However, I want them to keep making these until they have to CGI Keanu. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I love it so much yeah. that I'm just like, give, give me every, give me these until I'm tired of them. Mm-hmm. Give me these until I'm the only one paying to see them still. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love it so much that I want it to keep going, mm-hmm. even though it could probably end earlier and be better off for it. Yeah, yeah. I like selfishly don't want it to end. I get that. To me, it's, it's, I'm afraid it's going to go the way of Fast and Furious, where Fast and Furious was to me like a guilty pleasure series that mm-hmm. that is legitimately or was legitimately good mm-hmm. and then it became a victim of its own success uh-huh. and because fast five especially kind of blew up so big yeah and then six blew up even bigger and seven blew up even bigger mm-hmm. and partially you can argue whether or not some of that's because the movie itself was good or because paul walker or well what. james wan can open a movie man yeah that aquaman made a right. ton of money well and also it was right off the back of the goodwill of the previous one that's too, true you know yeah. um but then I, the wheels were beginning to fall off toward the end of six a little bit. Mm-hmm. Seven, you know, there's production issues, obviously, yeah. with that. But it ends well enough. Yeah. And then eight, uh, it was, I, we, I think we, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. But I liked it, but it's it's gotten so ridiculous and stupid. You know? I like eight more than I liked seven. Yeah. As far as the ridiculous stuff goes. I bought into the dumb stuff in that more than I did seven. Like, I really didn't like seven. I like the yeah. end with Paul Walker. Right. But I really don't like the climax of that movie. Oh, all. the yeah, the climax is terrible. Yeah, seven. I think the climax in eight is better than the climax in seven. Yeah. yeah and, like, yeah. I'm I, for some reason, I'm more willing to buy, like, the Cars versus a Submarine, submarine. <laughs> than, like, I'm going to stomp a parking structure out of existence right and, and a, like a military a military helicopter and drone are flying around los angeles and, yeah, yeah everyone's uh, fine like i don't know i think that the eight like brought it back down which is crazy <laughs> but with those movies i've i'm not totally out yet yeah. uh, even with hobbs and Shaw looking how that looks um <laughs> <It's> a lot <laughs> yeah uh, I'm not totally out yet because one, there's a rumor that Keanu's the big bad behind Idris Elba in Wait, Hobbs and Shaw. You didn't hear this? I didn't hear this rumor. So rumor has it that Keanu's going to be the author of all the pain <laughs> and that we're going to find out in Hobbs and Shaw that he's the one who's been in charge of like Charlize Theron and Idris Elba and all these villains over the course of these movies. And like, I was like... Just when I thought I was out, they went and pulled me back in. Uh, I was like, if that happened, I was like, I'm going to read the spoilers for Hobbs and Shaw before I see it. Because if it happens, 
I'm totally seeing that movie. I wish you hadn't told me that. I know. Not not for the spoilers, just because I now have to watch it. I know, right? Damn it. Um, but, so, that, just that. But also, Justin Lin is coming out to finish 9 and 10. Yeah. And I, he made the best ones. Mm. And he made the best new Star Trek movie. Mm. And I, I feel like, with the exception of Paul Walker, he was the missing element to those. Yeah. So, once... Once Stileski and Reeves are out, I'm probably going to cool off a lot <laughs> on these. Yeah. And the only reason I'm heating back up on Fast and Furious is because Justin Lin is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to see... I think he will finish them off the way that they need to. I, I, I feel like he... I just trust his vision so much for any sort of action movie. Yeah. Um, the way I trust Stileski uh, for any sort of action movie at this point. Or even, like, Chris McQuarrie with these Mission Impossible things. Yeah. Um... Which, I mean, those keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and seem to be getting better. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, though, Mission Impossible has an advantage that this series so far hasn't had, which is that Mission Impossible, they kind of, I don't want to say reset the story with every movie, mm. especially because the next two are going to be it's like more episodic. back-to-back or something yeah. like that. But it's definitely more episodic. And so you have new, you can have new villains or new characters or new situations introduce themselves versus this. This has just been one continuing plot. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's time to close that plot off. Yeah. If they want to do something else later or whatever, mm-hmm. totally cool with it. Yeah. You know? Because then that, that can be like a good jumping off point in my head canon where I can be like, all right, then like if they have a crappy one, mm-hmm. then I can be like, that one didn't count. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I want this I get- current story to be good and perfect yeah. and end correctly. Yes. I agree. So. And I, I almost wonder if that might be the reason they drew it out to a fourth movie mm-hmm. um, because I think they needed to get John to deal with the immediate cons- or immediate problem of all of New York being after him. Yeah. And I think they want a whole movie of murdering the high table. Like, I, yeah, that's the sense I get of like, they know right. what it means for these characters to have to go after the high table. Mm-hmm. Also, it's going to be hard. Yeah, for them like right. i think they felt like i almost feel like they started it almost feels like they maybe did start writing it to where he did go after the high table mm-hmm. and they were like what if this was a whole thing like what if yeah. this was a whole movie so let's break it off into its own story yeah because if you think about it him being on the run plus having to introduce all these other bad guys who are the right. leaders of this hierarchy is probably a difficult writing task yeah so i agree with you plus you need to go and set up some more allies for John. Yes. Um, to help him. Because I kind of feel like the next one, if they, I mean, my personal hope is that it's like the Avengers of John Wick movies. Yeah, 100%. You know, where yep. it's like all the people he's kind of like let live across the other movies who have been his allies or whatever. Because Winston totally didn't betray him. No, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, but, yeah, 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 yeah. I need to see Holly Berry, John Wick, the Bowery King, the TikTok man, uh, Angelica Houston, yeah. uh, Aurelio. Uh, who was missing from this, and I was pissed about because yeah, I love that guy. Me too. Uh, Winston and Sharon just go yeah. wreck stuff. Plus the two raid guys that he let live. Oh, yeah. Plus uh, Common's character. Oh, and, yeah. Common's gotta come live. back. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's like a good enough amount of people now yeah. who are kind of like inclined to help John. Yeah. Th- that like, who either can fight with him like in hand-to-hand gun-to-gun combat yeah or who could be installed in leadership positions that when he goes and kills the high table people they become the leaders of the high table like yeah. winston or angelica houston or something like yeah. that so um 
that is my personal hope is that yeah, that's what this movie i agree movie is. and i think that there's maybe a hint in that in the subtitle yeah. this is the first one with the subtitle right parabellum stands for prepare for war yeah so the movie kind of tells you like, hey, this is an this is preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not happening in this one. Yeah. Once you learn, I think once you learn that, and the what I liked is that the movie did go out of its way to say the title, but it didn't suck. Like it yeah. wasn't bad, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of dumb, but whatever. It's always kind of dumb when a movie yeah. says its own name, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I like that you know because it's, it's it's Latin, right, mm-hmm. and not everyone speaks latin so to to put it in the text of the movie of like having winston say the word parabellum and then putting the subtitle that it means prepare for war yeah i think goes and kind of smooths over maybe the expectation of this one that this would be the murder the high table one and be like okay this is the preparation yeah so we can go and kill the high table in the next one mm-hmm. um but they they have to in the next one they yeah. have to yeah um but i think they know that okay all the plot, lore stuff aside, let's talk about the action sequence. So good! What? Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> They're so good. Yeah. They're so good. Um, yeah, just so inventive. Yeah. So the first thing is he fights Boban, uh, the basketball player. Yeah. Uh, in the New York Public Library, and that guy's gigantic. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. Because. He there's like certain moments in that sequence where he just puts his entire hand over Keanu's head and it just it is his hand is the size of Keanu's head. It's not just his face like it goes to the back of his skull. Um, And then John Wick just like kicks his ass with a book and it's awesome. Yep. He and then he puts the book back. Yep. Because he's courteous. (laughs) Uh, not a monster yeah (laughs) and like he breaks this dude's jaw with the book and it's super gross looking Mm -hmm. and then he like breaks his neck over it and it's (laughs) super gross sounding um it's so cool and then he goes from that into is that the motorcycle chase um not the the, the horse horse, yeah the, the horse motorcycle chase is that no, no i think it's the knife fight happens next you're right the yeah. knife fight happens next so he's so he runs from the library to yeah. another location to kind of stock up and these these uh other assassins follow him into like this knife museum basically and they attack him with knives and there's this super awesome one of the best knife fights i've ever seen oh, so good it's so good <laughs> so inventive and, and funny yep and, like this, these fight scenes have a sense of humor yep and um, it's reflected well in the fact that, like, they show, like, a Buster Keaton poster or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so Buster Keaton's been a recurring theme yeah. uh, throughout these movies. Because mm-hmm. um, the first one, or no, the first one he's not in it, I don't think. But in the second one, uh, they're projecting in the, on, the muse- on the side of the museum, they're projecting a Buster Keaton movie. Yeah. And then in this one, when he goes to Times Square, one of the big screens in Times Square is showing the general. Okay, that's, yes. And so... There's visual humor in that you can mine out of an action scene that, you know, maybe like only Jackie Chan and a couple it other people. It feels so much realize. like a Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, you know, um, so much like a Jackie. Chan you know, it's movie. just a little more gory, but like at the same time, it's mostly like I hate to say this in good humor. Like, yeah, it's having fun with itself. Yeah. Um, and, and like this, this is weird tone that only like John Wick's universe has been able to manage pretty well. Um. 
so like that night scene there's just so many like funny things where the people are like running atomizers are like and people don't like automatically die when you throw a knife at them <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. there's just funny things that happen as a result of an escalation yeah of that. or like they'll run out of knives and then look at each other like well yeah okay like yeah. <laughs> time to get more right and so there's like these weird like even though th- th- that scene in particular feels like very it's obviously impeccably choreographed and executed. Yeah. But it within they've built in these like awkward moments. Like yes. they're really good at what they do, but they're still just like we're not meant to fight each other, really. Uh-huh. Like we're not supposed to, and, and like certainly not like this. And yeah, not in not like this. We're not gonna have like that's just not gonna happen. And so they've built in these really organic feeling, like weird, like stumbles and like mm-hmm. improvisations. Th- yeah, and it feels so natural yeah. to how something like this would happen if it were to happen in real life, which it obviously never would anyway. Yeah. But it makes it feel so grounded in reality of just like, yeah, be awkward and weird. Yeah. And contrary to what you think, which is that it makes John Wick like not seem like a badass because sometimes like he's running out of ammo or this or that. It makes him it makes him more of a badass because mm-hmm. he's he's making like plans on the he's fly, resourceful. you know, and yeah. yeah, he's using what tools are available to him. Yeah. Um, and I think at the heart of all this before we get too much further into it, is Keanu. Like, they yeah. film these scenes in a way where you can tell it's Keanu. Yeah. They film these scenes in a way where you can tell he's put in the work. With the knife work, with all the gun work. You know, mm. And they, they, they go out of their way to release the behind-the-scenes training yeah. that basically send the message of, like, don't piss off Keanu. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. he could literally murder you yeah. so many times <laughs> before you actually died. Yeah. And, like, even... Even something as simple as the way that scene ends, where it's the long shot down the row of, of knives they were fighting on, and he grabs <laughs> the, the axe and, like, chucks it at the dude's head yeah. and kills him, which is a good gag. <laughs> but you could tell, like, he did actually hurl that yeah. axe at that dummy that they had there. Like, he put in the work to learn how to t- straight tomahawk throw. Like, mm. he did that, you know? And that goes a long way, I think, in action sequences. It's obviously been... Um, both the Fast and Furious and Mission Impossible claim to fame, particularly, obviously, when Justin Lin was making these Fast and Furious movies, mm-hmm. um, that, like, they did a lot of that. Uh, they did as much as they could in camera. Yeah. And, like, with Mission Impossible, it's that Cruz does all his own stunts. Um, Keanu does 90% of what he does. Uh, like, he, he seeing that care on screen goes a long way to ingratiating audiences to your action sequences. Oh, yeah. Um. Then he goes and uses a horse as a weapon twice, <laughs> which is great. Uh, he, like, spanks the horses and they kick and they kill dudes. And yeah. it's awesome. So good. Uh, and then he goes on a motorcycle horse chase. Yep. And gets to shoot dudes in the brain while mm. he's on a horse. So good. And it's awesome. And then we get start getting the Lord up from yeah. there. And then he goes to Casablanca. That's the kind of the lull, right? Yeah. We they go and talk to the guy that can point them to the elder, and Holly Berry has her attack dogs with her, and the dude shoots one of the dogs. She gets pissed, uh, which leads to a great line from Keanu, because she like grabs a gun out of the dog's bulletproof vest, and he's like, "Hey, don't do it!" And she's like, "He shot my dog," and he's like, "I get it." <laughs> <laughs> so good. And uh, then there's this action sequence with the attack dogs that is kind of teased in the trailer but went 
so much longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah. And it's so good. Yep. It's so good. Um, because you see, it's the first time John's really fought side by side with anyone. Yes. And also, she has these dogs that she's sending after these guys. And, like, they use the dogs so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the geography of that scene is really cool. Like, the way the camera moves through the, the compound is really neat. Yeah. So you'll, like... The, like you'll see the dog go you'll see one dog go and attack a dude and the camera will sweep by holly berry as she's like killing a guy and then the other dog will come into the frame mm-hmm. and like go and buy the dude on the penis like <laughs> which is their go-to move yeah um and there's this really cool stunt where the dog jumps off of holly berry up this wall yeah um it's so dope that was cool yeah um and it, it also in the midst of that like holly berry went and put in this work too yep. and like we already talked about and it's it shows, yeah. man. She's really good in it. Like her performance is really good. I like that character a lot. I, I, I would follow her. To yeah. Spin off. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Totally. Um. You know, she. They gave her an intriguing backstory about this daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the stuff they do there is good, even if it's unnecessary to this movie. Yes. You know, it's good world building. It's good setup, and it's stuff I want to know about. Like. You know, and John knows where her daughter is. And oh, yeah. Um, so there's this that that kind tension. of tension between them about like, do you want to know where she is? And she says, no, like, I have to kill that part of me every day. And she gets this like really good, like emotional moment in mm-hmm. the middle of the movie. Um, but then she's also super badass. Like, yeah. Uh, and and is, you know, obviously just as capable at killing dudes as, as John is. Yeah. Um, and then we get the stuff with the elder. Go back to New York, adjudicator basically, decom- she deconsecrates the Continental so yeah. that business can be conducted there, and they send in the high table armed forces. Oh, you missed the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. He comes yeah. back to New York, does a motorcycle chase on an actual motorcycle, <laughs> which is awesome, because Motor- Keanu rides motorcycles. Yeah. And he fights ninjas with sores on yep. motorcycles. So good. Yep. And he uses a dude's arm to wreck his own motorcycle. Yes. Which was the best. That was one of my favorite action beats in the movie is he chops a dude's arm off and then takes the arm and jams it into the back tire of his own motorcycle and kills him. Oh my god. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Um, And the way they shoot it is so crazy because Mm -hmm. you can tell it's real, but it looks super fake. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sort of. No, I know what you're saying. Because, like, it doesn't feel like they could possibly do all of this the way they did it. But you can but, tell they did. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it. Your brain's, like, not comprehending, like, how they did it. Yeah. Because they did. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. I don't know, but, like, I, I feel like they did. They did. Okay. I, I, I was reading an interview <laughs> with them where they were talking about, like, oh, you use more CGI. And they were like, not really. Yeah. They were like, we did a lot of that, like, for real. Yeah. It's even cooler to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that part of it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's about, I don't think I have much to contribute other than like, dang. It, it, they're dope, man. And well, yeah. and then and then we get the the sort of big climactic, yeah. like bombastic. It's gotta be a solid 40 minutes of action, right? Like, <sighs> Something it, like it's that. long. Yeah. It's exhausting, honestly. Like yeah. I, I liked it a lot, but Same. I was just like, huh. Yeah. This is keeps going, huh? Uh-huh. Um, but I liked it because it kind of felt like a final boss like stage. Yeah, or something. totally. Like it's it it's the most game. it felt like a video game. Like yeah. these movies like have, wave two, wave three. Yeah. yeah. So they bring in the high table forces and 
they have these like Jaron has this like this line about like they've upgraded their armor and uh john's like what do you mean and he's like well it's like it's it's in kind of intense basically yeah. of like um so you get to see john wick in, in in every scene even though we have established for two movies that he's the ultimate badass they keep putting him in these situations where he's kind of the underdog yeah and he's gotta like he's still gotta overcome some stuff like he's not just murdering dudes mm-hmm. willy-nilly like he has for the last two movies he's not just like flipping them over and shooting them in the head like he had been yeah you know <laughs> yeah he's like really got to be more strategic than he ever has been about them because they're engaging him with blades which mm-hmm. he's proficient in obviously but we've never seen that side of him yeah. so we like there's a there's a drama for us in that right. of like we don't know how good he is with these things mm-hmm. and then we see he's awesome with it so but the novelty doesn't wear off over the course of the movie because it's still new the whole movie yeah um and then when it does come to the actual like gunplay stuff we're used to seeing him in they give the high table uh forces these upgrade this upgraded armor so he's going in trying all his john wick moves yeah and the bullets are literally just bouncing off these dudes and he's got to grapple with them right flip open their mask or like yeah expose their neck expose their neck or whatever so he can get a clean shot at them so they've made it more difficult for him Mm -hmm. in a really like natural way like because this dumb lore is so dumb that that when they're like they've got upgraded armor and it's super bulletproof you're just like all right yeah well it's like it's like when that like those mini bosses in a video game come out with like armor and like a chain gun or something like that in uncharted and yeah like they're like impenetrable yeah that's what it felt like no that's totally what it felt like i was like they found a way to do bullet sponges would not make it stupid yeah right exactly and I appreciated the fact that up until that point, they had kind of withheld from the traditional John Wick, mm-hmm. you know, headshotting people, mm-hmm. gunfight even, just gunfights in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, they the kind of dogs, but but the focus is more on dogs and, and Holly Berry. She had know? way more screen time in that than John. Yeah, did. yeah. Um, and that's another reason why I kind of felt like that scene. I wish it hadn't have happened because mm-hmm. it felt like it kind of took away from the like, okay, John Wick is doing stuff with his guns yeah. stuff. But anyway. Um, Despite how badass that scene was, I, I I think that the rest of the movie would have benefited from it not maybe happening. Sure. Um. Anyway, the Continental fight is cool. It forces him to go and act in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um. I love the part midway through where they have to go back to go and get shot. So good. Because <laughs> uh, like they realize like it's not gonna this kid is not sustainable. Yeah. You know? Well, and I love the like the the little cuts away to Winston just hanging out. Yeah. Just like drinking bourbon and yeah. like trolling the adjudicator yeah because she's <laughs> calling him and like telling like hey you want to talk now and he just goes and hangs up on her it's so yeah. good um and and just having um chiron mm-hmm. is that his name yeah. okay yeah like go and be part of like the john wick yeah. team is cool for lance reddick's great man yeah he's always been good in these movies yeah, he's always uh, been good, good in most things yeah in general you yeah know? um i agree with you so that part of it was great um and then they go and like kind of had like a final like two or three bosses to go yeah kind they, of thing. they well it turns into streets of rage the movie yeah <laughs> true. It, it definitely is like a beat em up at that yeah. point yeah. yeah and so he goes so there's this weird subplot with the iron chef uh running through it where that comes in kind of late and i don't yeah. know how i felt about it because it got goofy like weirdly goofy yeah where he's like a huge john wick fanboy yeah 
And like up until then he'd be kind of a stoic badass. Yeah. You know? Just like a ninja guy. Right. And like he they they go to the Continental after the motorcycle chase. And, like, John sits on this couch, and the guy sits as close as humanly possible to him, (laughs) which did make me laugh a lot. So then John, like, switches seats, and John gets reunited with his dog, which is adorable, and uh, he breaks his stoicism for a second and, like, gets kind of slouchy in his posture. And he's like, hey, like, I just got to let you know, like, I am such a big fan. (laughs) And... I gotta, I gotta say, you have not disappointed yeah. in my entire murder pursuit of you, <laughs> or whatever. And uh, he's just like, but he was like, you know, you and I, we're the same. Like we're cut from the same cloth. And John's just like, no, we're not. <laughs> um, but then, like, he runs with that fanboy stuff for the rest of the movie, and it's weird, man. And he like. So he has the guys from the raid mm-hmm. who are like his underlings. Yeah, it's like his number twos yeah. or number threes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and he he has them go and fight John. Mm-hmm. And they fight forever. <laughs> I think John gets like thrown into like every breakable glass thing that there is. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then he like... He pulls off his belt and uses his belt as a weapon against these dudes. Yeah. And um, he ultimately just exhausts them. He doesn't really kill them. And then he goes and has this final sword fight with the Iron Chef now. Like, yeah. He's got to go to the final boss. But it's all in a row. Yeah. It's like four action sequences strung together because you get... The initial showdown with the guys where he's got to, like, really pull their 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 masks off and expose their neck or whatever. Yeah. Then the shotgun one, which is just him literally owning them the way John Wick usually does. Uh-huh. Then the, like, the twins fight. Then the final fight. And it's, it, there's not a break between any of that, nope. aside from restocking on guns. Um, so then he goes and has this long drawn out katana fight with the Iron Chef guy. Um, stabs him. He just runs him through with a katana. And that guy, like, turns into the Black Knight from Monty Python for some reason. And he's, like, still alive. And he's just like, hey, John, it was a good fight, though, right? <laughs> and John's just like, yeah, it was. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you. And then he dies. And, and, I was like, and then Keanu's like, no, you won't. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he just dies. Yeah. What? Loved it. <laughs> See, I'm so glad that, like, they made him, like, both a stoic badass who's also a complete weirdo. <laughs> he's really good in it. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. I've always thought that he's uh, Mark DeCascos yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've always thought he was good in everything. Even as being the Iron the Iron Chef chairman. What What good. else is he in? He's been in a lot of, like, B um, action movies. See, like, he is, he was, like, a martial artist in, like, the, you know, 90s and stuff like okay. that. Oh, we can so, tell, obviously, yeah. like. Um, so... I, he has like this like this really winsome personality that I don't think was ever effectively used. And I read some articles like on the Ringer or something like that talking about like how this role was like perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Like it's finally like the perfect use of this guy's talents, <laughs> you know. And I agree with it because like he can't just like be like this like super serious badass all the time. Like seeing this makes it makes like John's legend grow in a mm-hmm. weird way because it's about almost like celebrity. Yeah, in, in a certain sense. Yeah. Um, 
But then it also it makes him crazier. Like it makes it makes this bad guy even more like threatening. He's a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a weird stalker guy now. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of like dread him a little bit more Mm -hmm. because you don't know what he's capable of as much. Um, So I liked that take on him. I agree with you. It comes in real late into the movie. Um, You know, there's definitely like a rug pulling aspect that can happen with some people. Yeah. Uh, This is going to be a really out, out there analogy, but Twilight Princess, the Zelda game. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you know Zant, the bad guy, and uh-huh. throughout most yeah, of that game, yeah, yeah. like the the last or second to last dungeon, you realize that the main bad guy is like this crazy ass person. Like up until then, he was like stoic and all these like monologues like that, and then you find out that like he's just like a loopy Looney Tune. He's like bouncing around all over the place. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did not like that part in the game, mm-hmm. and then like Ganondorf takes over, and they didn't right. like that. That's what I kind of feel like you, this part could kind of break you in a similar okay. way. Um, cause it's, it's a little too late in the game to like sure. just drop that out of nowhere without any sort of warning or setup. Right. But eh, I mean, it's John Wick's universe. So yeah, it's weird, not, weirdos exist. Yeah. It's not, it, it's not a make or break thing, but yeah. I was just like, what is going on with this guy? Right. <laughs> this is weirdo. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he and he, the action stuff he handles really well too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the the fight scenes are are great. Like, yes. there's there's, I have no complaints about them. Oh yeah, they're just exhausting. Yeah, they're just so long. And yes. they, you know, they're not. I don't want to say overlong because that's what you go see a John Wick movie for. Mm-hmm. Um, and until this point, we haven't seen a lot of like drawn out action sequences, so yeah. they're earned at this point. But I was just like, man, this is yeah. keeps going. Like that movie felt like it was four hours, and that is not a compliment. Yes, and that <laughs> that's where the middle section I think comes into play. I think yep. I think that the middle section drains you in anticipation of the finale, mm-hmm. um, and that was why it wasn't a wise choice to spend so much time there in the yep. middle. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I feel like even and I agree with you that some of the finale stuff it could probably be shortened by a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, once we kind of got over the fact that like John could kind of overcome like for example the body armor people by being creative, could probably slim that down a little <clears throat> bit. Yeah. Um, but also that is the reason why he came into the movie. Yeah. And it's hard to it's hard to go and say that um, not a single one of those action scenes was worth it because I'd probably say like each one of those alone could probably you could make an argument for being the best action scene yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. No, they're they're impeccably executed. Like yeah. the craft on display is next level. Yeah. Um. So last thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> over this. You know, we've talked a lot about the dumb lore and plotting and um, just like super cool action. But is there anything else going on? Like, is there any themes to really pull out of them after three movies? Um. You know, there's definitely the kind of like the fallen angel kind of imagery they're trying to go with mm-hmm. a little bit. And like to get to heaven, you have to go through hell mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah. Um, the idea that actions have consequences, they pay lip service to. And not, it's not just lip service. I mean, there actually are repercussions to what everyone has done now. Mm-hmm. You know, by helping John, some people have been punished. By John getting back into this life and really arguing by being in this life at all. Yeah. You know, he has suffered and now he's lost a finger from yeah. all this. Like, like he is not just like, uh, I mean, he ha- he's been bloodied and beaten up, but he's now like lost a part of himself yeah. physically to in addition to like emotionally. Um, yeah. So these people have been, um, been through the ringer. And so I think that they're, they're, this movie does go and 
uh, adhere to the themes it set up, which is that there are, there are consequences to the bad decisions of the world and the life that they've engaged in. Yeah. Um, you know, is is there something deeper than that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think there's also at the center of it is John's grief. Yeah. Um, because every single person, for as violent and crazy as these movies are, mm-hmm. every single person of worth that he has interacted with before he straight up shoots them in the face. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, questions him about it. And yeah. is ba- they, like they're basically like, is this worth it to you? Is this a right. life you really feel good leading because i don't and i'm in this world and he basically is like no but i don't know anything else like he's right you know he's even though like he is trying to repent but he doesn't know how Mm -hmm. this is the only thing he knows and so he's a victim of his choices right so i think that makes you really sympathetic to him Mm -hmm. um which is good did get out yeah and and his people keep on forcing him back in yeah which is super relatable, you know, yeah. like, like he does have like a soul in a way that some of these other people don't. Yes. You know, and the fact that uh, Iron Chef bad guy recognizes that like John didn't like want to fight when there are school kids walking by and he's mm-hmm. like, I would have kept on going or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's like, that's what makes you different you yeah. know, from me. Like and how everybody respects John. Mm-hmm. It's I think a recognition that he is better than them. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's still damned basically, yeah. you know, but he's, he is better than them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that goes a long way with you rooting for him. Right. Ultimately. Well, and also this, you know, what do you, do you want him to get arrested? Like, no. is this like, is this a movie where he's like, he's a bad guy. So yeah. bring him to justice. Not, that's not what this movie's about. And he's been killing bad guys <laughs> yeah. you know, who are arguably worse than him, yeah. you know, throughout all of these movies. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I think there's that. I think there's a little bit of like, um, philosophy and religion like you know mm-hmm. there's they they very much in two and three specifically make him this sort of great reformer character like he's very martin luthery mm-hmm. into um he's a little jesusy in in into as well at the end when he basically says like it is finished yeah um, after he kills the guy um and then in this one they kind of give him a, like a moses arc of wandering in the desert and like finding, yeah you know um but then there's also this like these like literary references that kind of keep coming in. Obviously, they're Russian folktale stuff. But like Jason Mendoza's character is named the TikTok Man, which is from Repent Harlequin said the TikTok Man, the short story by Harlan Ellison, mm-hmm. um, which is about people being on trial for whether or not they spent their time wisely. Yeah. Um. So even that, like, there's these weird little things that color in the sides of the universe thematically and they never really fully do a deep dive in them because this isn't the type of movie that does that yeah but i think it goes to building out this dumb lore and the world a little bit more um so it's never gonna fully explore any of this stuff but really i think there's more going on thematically than people give it credit for yeah um i don't think they're just meathead movies i agree i think the introduction of this aspect that john wants to live so somebody can remember his wife Mm -hmm. like is a new wrinkle to it yeah it's not just like he wants peace it's that that he's honoring his wife's memory in a way is something that i'm pretty sure is like a literary reference that i'm missing right now but um that that is something else i think is showing that that they have been thinking out what these movies mean more than just the next headshot 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I don't know if it's as obsessed with philosophy, literature, and religion as like the Matrix, Mm. Um, but I think there's there's I think there's actually a lot more going on (laughs) there than just like these hobos are ninjas, right? Like this sous chef is a ninja. Like I I think that they they really do want John's arc specifically to mean something. They Mm. they want him to have a purpose. They want him. You know, like there's that whole conversation he has with the 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 girl in the second one, the sister, um, where she's like, you know, do you fear damnation? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I uh, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying like, it goes out of its way to show that he is the better person here. He's not, he's not a good man, but mm. he knows it, and that's what sets him apart. Yeah, because he's trying to change and he wants to change. Mm-hmm. Um. I've seen a lot of takes this week on the morality of the John Wick universe and man, am I not interested in them at all. Like yeah. people were like, stop arguing whether or not he's a good man. And I was like, I don't care, man. He's a badass. Like it doesn't, right. does not matter yeah. at all. And like, I, I saw some people saying that the movies like glorify revenge, but I don't think I, so at all. I think I that know. they, really go out of their way to show the toll that this takes on John. And right. like, he didn't want, like he just wanted to hang out with a dog, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't think that, that, and I think that in the first movie, cause the people I saw this with were like, I didn't bother with the rest of them because the first movie I felt horrified revenge too much. Mm. I think the first movie, the point of it is that he is not dealing with his grief in a healthy way by killing all these people. Yeah. I think that's the point of like, I think people question him at every turn of like, really? Like, this is how you're going to choose to go and grieve? Mm-hmm. Man, like, there's a much easier way to do this. Um, and he knows it. He just doesn't have the skill set for that. He only has a skill set for one thing. Yeah. Because we've now learned he was essentially bred for it. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a wrinkle that I liked in this one is that I don't believe in like people not being responsible for their actions sure. kind of thing, but at the same time, sometimes people are bred in, in situations that are going to incline them to, yeah. you know, not have many choices in their life. Well, and he's trying to take responsibility. Yeah. He's not, right. not trying right. to And that's the reason why he's likable is that like, despite all of this, he was trying to, he played the game and he beat it and then these other people like tried to beat him and <laughs> yeah like you know they like they rigged the game against him yeah um and and he was trying to be better um, yeah despite what he came from yeah so, exactly uh, that being said i do think i think that the further we get away from the initial impetus of like what set him off which is the first movie and mm-hmm. the killing the puppy the re- less relatable or likable he becomes slightly. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, then he gets betrayed by somebody and it kind of get like, you re- remind like, Oh yeah, people are all corrupt basically. Right. But that is my fear with these movies going further and further away from the first movie. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I think there's enough in there. Yeah. Like enough juice in the tank or gas in the tank. Not necessarily gas in the tank, but like, even in the book where he's hidden the Russian folklore stuff, yeah. he's got a picture of him and her and he yeah. like kisses it in this one. Like it, from, they're reminding you. Yeah. Of it. yeah. They, they reminding, they're reminding you of it. You know, even Angelica Houston is like all this over a puppy and he's like, it was never just a puppy. Right. Well, and even just the reason he wants to stay alive, I think like his entire motivation for wanting to even deal with this mm-hmm. is now connected to the memory of his wife and remembering her and honoring her. So I think that there's they do they do enough in this one to pay lips. I mean, that's like 
he's got at least two conversations. So four instances throughout the movie that kind of remind you of like, this is about the wife that like, this is about the fact that I was leading the life that I should have been able to leave lead in the first place. Mm -hmm. And you're not letting me. Yeah. Um, so I think there's enough. I don't okay. know. There was enough in it for me. Yeah, yeah. To keep. Also, I did just watch the first two again this week. Yeah, so. that's the thing. Yeah, I watched like the fir- bits of the first two like after I saw the movie. So okay. That kind of like got me back into. Oh yeah, and now I understand why he's pissed off. You yeah, know, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, um. Do you have anything else about John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum? Um. Well, you know, I just want to say that this movie it did something. Um. Well, not this movie, but all these movies they did good things for action movies by getting rid of the Jason Bourne shaky cam crap mm-hmm. that had influenced cinema for way too long, like a good five to 10 year period. Um, so thank God for that. <laughs> um, also they rejuvenated that um, aging action hero gets a revenge movie genre that mm-hmm. taken really repopularized yeah. um, at like the end of the early two thousands and into the tens. Um, and it didn't. It wasn't just about revenge anymore, because taking all the things of his ilk, they they didn't have the layer of mythology that this added. Yeah, and and like how Taken sputtered out toward the end was because it didn't have anything else to go on. Yeah. other than just Liam Neeson screwed over or something like that. You know, um, and the sequels just couldn't sustain what mm-hmm. the first movie did, which I still think the first Taken is great. I do too. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that like its legacy has kind of been lessened both through the Taken sequels and then also kind of like the route Liam Neeson himself. Yeah, the Liam Neeson quit taking my stuff movies. Yeah. Um, but there, there was something about how John Wick effectively went and built up its world. Yeah. Um, slowly and carefully and through goodwill and responding to how people responded mm-hmm. to it. Because it, I imagine if people had, hadn't really liked all this stuff, they wouldn't have focused on it as yeah. much. So there's something about to be said about how these movies have slowly built themselves up to be sustainable for four movies, mm-hmm. or I hope not five. But we'll see. You know, right. um, that I have to give them credit for. So that's my other piece. Yeah, um, I think two things. One, the aging action hero thing. Keanu, here's the thing. You know, there's the the thing about him not emoting or whatever. Right. One, we see him emote kind of a lot in the first one specifically. Yeah. But two, it's not Clint Eastwood built a career on it. Right. You know, like he's basically just doing a Clint Eastwood character in this movie. Mm. Um. Two, it brought back the mid-budget action thriller. Yes. And I like that. I think that's something that's been missing from Hollywood in the MCUification of everything. Like, yes. These. These movies combined cost $115 million for all three of them, man. Mm -hmm. That I learned that this afternoon and I haven't stopped thinking about that. Yeah. That blew my mind. Like they all look better than like a Marvel movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like in terms of the way they're lit Mm -hmm. and shot Mm -hmm. and how the action scenes look and how practical everything is. I know you can't have Hulk be practical. You know what I mean? But like it feels real. Uh-huh. Um, it, in a surreal way. Yeah, like, obviously. There's, there's a verisimilitude to yeah. it, like the feeling of it being real. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, and they did it with a, with in a box, with a, in a cave, with a box of scraps, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... It... <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> 
dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, like the, I feel like that dominated the box office in the nineties, mm-hmm. and it just went away once yeah. we discovered that CGI was at a point where we could right. rely on that. And I'm not one of these anti CGI people. No, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some things that you have to do with CGI. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's my thing with almost every criticism about filmmaking techniques is that like these are tools you can use them wisely or poorly. Yeah, I think Hollywood has decided to use it more as a crutch, sure, than anything, and so that's that's where the issue is. Um, but I agree with you; it's nice to have that type of movie come back again. Yep, yep. Uh, also, thank you to Chad Selesky and Keanu Reeves for giving us the best max Payne movies yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah now that you mention it totally correct on that even like i that was the thing i noticed in the third one so max Payne's what i i love that series mm-hmm. i love all three of those games i only played the third one so. um i yeah i really like all those games um but three and they have like a weird mythology i don't know if you know too much about uh no i didn't so the first one's about like viking devil shit <laughs> like wait what yeah like the the you find out that the like the main bad guy is involved in this like weird devil viking cult like that wants to bring about ragnarok mm. and by by peddling this drug um yeah, i knew there was drugs involved yeah so he's peddling this drug but it's because he's involved in this like weird blood cult and like I don't think it's the final showdown, but you have to fight a boss in this like weird devil worship chamber with like a pentagram on the floor and like all these symbols carved into it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know if they go so far as to say he's possessed, but he's like really overpowered because of some ceremony that took place before you went in. Hmm. Yeah. So it's steeped in this weird mythology too, but like the posters for the third one and the colors and stuff look like the third Max Payne game. Yeah. Like the, the oranges and greens and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like it, it, they're taking a cue from that for sure. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. All that to be said, I uh, just like keep making these till (laughs) Stileski just doesn't want to and then make them more like like i you know even today there was a poll in the feel and film group that was that was like oh stileski's been attached to highlander who would you want to play mcleod and i was like no one because i don't want him making movies right that aren't john wick movies yeah like, i want him to close out like the high table story i think he, he will. does highlander well, and even like i saw an interview with keanu this week where they asked him like if you were to play someone in the mcu who would it be and he was like, I'd be down to play Wolverine, which I'm sure Feige was like, um, <laughs> he was like, someone um, get me Keanu Reeves. And I was like, he'd be a super good Wolverine, but yeah, I don't want him to do th- something that's not John Wick right now. Yeah. Well, the wait between the second one and this one was only two years, but it felt unbearable to me. <laughs> yeah. Like. That better not be a break. <laughs> like yeah. Some, some other movie that they do before this. Yeah. Like I... I remember seeing the end of the second one and being like, where do we kickstart this to get cameras rolling next week for the third one? Because mm-hmm. of how great the end of the second one is. Yeah. Um, but now, like, I need this to resolve, man. Yes. Like, I, and I think they will, like I said, but it, it just I love it so much. Like, I want to read the comic that's out. I want to play the game that's coming out this summer. Like, I don't even know if the game is going to be any good. I yeah. I don't think it will be, but at the same time, ugh, I don't um, know. They got a good creative team on the comic. True. Um, so I don't know about the creative team behind the game, 
But the creative team on the comic is, I mean, it's established people. It's not just like, hey, you're new to the industry, write the John right. Wick comic. And I think it's about his impossible task. Uh, that's what I think I heard, yeah. Um, which sounds awesome. Yes. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm all in on these things, man. And yeah. so I'm not. I I freaking love this stupid mythology. And the it's so dumb, but so great. <laughs> They should quit while they're ahead. But they should, but, but they should. I, I get it. But I, I don't it. want them I get to. It. I want them to quit when they're so far behind. I know we were talking about Detective Pikachu being the greatest video game adaptation, but so <laughs> well, maybe this. So I think Detective Pikachu is the greatest video game adaptation. Yeah. I think that even though that's, I was thinking about this a lot during yeah. the movie. Actually, um, I think that maybe Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle did this the best but besides that i think using the grammar of video games yes as filmmaking john wick is second to none yes like, you see him level up you know yeah. like you see you see him upgrade his gear and his weapons and yep. like it, it it's a video game but it doesn't feel stupid it yeah. does, it's completely organic like you you think about it but you don't really think about it mm. if that makes sense like it doesn't draw attention to itself in that manner but it, it it feels like you're watching someone. It feels like a let's play at certain yep. spots. But I'm, you're never bored. But no. at the same time, a John Wick video game makes complete sense. Man, I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's supposedly coming out this summer. Like, is yeah, it, but they're making like a tactical, it's like a strategy, a strategy game. game. I I kind of get that. But I mean, really, is that what you really want? No, yeah. I want an FP. I want Max Payne with John Wick in it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was joking with someone this week where I was like, I don't know anything about Fortnite, but you can be John Wick in Fortnite now. I know. So I guess I play Fortnite. <laughs> like, I know. Not, not going to tempt me. I'm not going to do but, it. But real, real close. That was the closest I came. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Which, by the way, Fortnite is garbage. So I haven't I, even... I, played I, it yeah i uninstalled it oh I was really like, this is stupid <laughs> but this almost got me to re-download it yeah i was uh, like oh man maybe i'll just like re-download uh max Payne 3 and then like find a mod for john wick or something yeah gotta oh that's gotta like be a that. thing right yeah, right yeah okay anyway this <laughs> this has gone off the wheels uh we'll be back next week with aladdin <laughs> that's all i got for that uh, uh no. Yep, and Brightburn. Uh, Jeremy's coming on for for Brightburn. So, um, not for Jeremy or Brightburn, but just Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can come on Brightburn if you want. I'm seeing it next weekend, regardless. Uh, saw a clip of Brightburn. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to watch this movie. I saw a clip of Aladdin. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to watch this movie either. Was it the Prince Ali part? <laughs> yeah. Yeah yikes yikes and a half man um no the clip of brightburn there was super bad eyeball trauma in it man oh that's this, like not my thing it's not my thing either <laughs> i'm not like i'm not like a gorehound but i'm not not a gore. like if something's super yeah, yeah. gory i'm like awesome right. but i'm not like oh i heard this was super gory i'm gonna go see it right but when it comes to eyeball stuff mm -mm, i am out yeah out <sighs> Um, yeah, it's just the scene in the diner and the kid makes the, this like overhead light explode and she gets glass in her eye and she's like digging it oh, out. And I was like, um, nope. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. No, thank you. Oh. Um, actually wait, one question about John Wick, since we're all in kind of like gore, uh -huh. that kind of stuff. 
I thought they upped it a little bit in this one. Yeah. How'd you feel about that? I was fine with it. Okay. I like it made me go awesome it, a bunch. It bothered like my mom. My mom really likes these movies. So, <laughs> it, it, but like, yeah, it's, 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 she's sweet. Uh, but it bothered her a little bit more. Really? Yeah. And it felt a little more out of place in mm-hmm. some ways in comparison with the other ones. I mean, they've had people die in ridiculous ways, but sure. like some of like the knife stuff and mm-hmm. whatever, and the finger getting chopped off. It felt a little bit meaner in a way. Really? Is that I don't know. Did you feel that? So I don't. I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Yeah. Um, because Asta, like, I will go with Gore yeah. if if it goes. Like I said, I'm. I won't seek it out necessarily. Yeah. But if it happens, I'm just like that was dope looking. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, Kristen is really sensitive to that stuff, mm. and she actually thought it was less than the second mm. one. Interesting. She had a hard time with the second one. Well, the second one, she goes and that lady goes and slits her wrist. She really hates that part. Yeah. And when we watched it this week, she still couldn't watch that part. Yeah. Um, but even like the, like in the second one, you get that scene where he kills the dudes with the pencil, which is awesome, but he like jams it in that dude's ear and then he like slams the dude against it and he pulls him off and it's all goopy. Like, I think the second one's actually gorier than the third one. Okay. Fair enough. Um, having just rewatched it. And then there's like the, the, the sumo wrestler guy that he like shoots in the top of the head and like blood starts pouring down his head. Like. The second one feels mean. (laughs) Apologies in advance to our Christian audience. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Maybe we should cut this part. (laughs) Um, But I thought I thought the gore was actually a little bit less. And I also realized that John Wick is the only person who can get me to root for eyeball trauma. Yeah, I was okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, Like, because like I said before, like, I really get bothered by that. Yeah. But I was okay with it in this. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so John Wick can go and get me over like that. Yeah, that's totally like, like my like uh, kryptonite. Yeah, and I was just like, "This is sweet. Yeah. Do it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll be back to see. We, man, Ma- May's nuts. Uh, yep, we're the bad guys. Michael Buffers and Dumbo.